You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, I'm very honored to be joined by Elder Kathy Sanchez from Tewa Women United. Elder Kathy, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Of, of all the guests I've had in this show uh, over the last year, um, I've been able to relate in some way or at least um, bring my own presumptions in some way to the guests. I know something about a Christian guest. I know something about a Muslim guest. As an English Jew from, uh, you know, who's come to this community four years ago, I really, I realized I, I know nothing about Native American life. And, um, and so I guess the first question is, what, what does it mean for you to be part of the Tewa? What does it, where do I start? I, 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 I know so little where, where do I go from here? What, what can you teach me? Okay, I would start by stating that I am coming from my own perspective as a Tewa woman elder who's grown and lived in our community. And I am not speaking for my Pueblo at all mm. in any sense. So there is that disclaimer. And also, um, I am not privileged to know any other spiritual context that stays within the Pueblo, but I am honored to be here to speak about what I've experienced and being in the world with my understanding of our spirit rootedness on Mother Earth. So let's start there with the idea of Mother Earth. What, what does that mean? Who is Mother Earth? Okay, so Mother Earth means that life began when Mother Earth started. And so that goes billions of years ago, and life has evolved, and life has come forth with an energy. And that energy of elements that are natural to this earth are, are um, real and positive and a life force. So that life force is given to all elements. And so as an indigenous person, we do believe that all things, living and non-living, have the ability to give life. And that's and then even ourselves, you know, we, as humans, earthlings, our essence is of the inner energy that makes uh, our thoughts and actions possible. But the container, the vessel, our earthen body is there to make it possible for the visions and dreams and desires or thoughts that we have to of how to be purposefully living on Mother Earth gets expressed. So. That's what it means to have a real connection and knowing that Mother Earth makes all that possible. So before I studied to be a rabbi, I, I studied astrophysics. Mm. So when uh, so I have a particular understanding of science from a very Western perspective. So when you say that the non-living has the ability to give life, part of me thinks I, I don't understand. How, how does that happen? I guess the best contradiction I see in the Western world is even in our United States, they have a Department of Energy, right? right? Deals with energy. And when you mess with that energy that is within all living things, they tear apart the heart and soul of that element and it bursts forth with energy and it becomes radioactive. It becomes 
um, uncontainable in its uh, energy release. So that's what I'm saying, that we understand everything has energy. And if we talk, pray, and speak with energy, then it has the ability to change and to move in a way that is not quite scientifically possible in understanding, but religions can understand it because we talk about our spirituality, our spirit rootedness. So that's what I, when I live right below Los Alamos, I know the contradictions that have to be managed because the Western, like you're saying, understands it from a a linear perspective, Mm. but when you talk about it from a spiritual context, it's the same thing, but we're denied that right to have our health and our wellness knowing that water is so sacred and water has life because everything needs water. H2O, the elements, the compositions, if you treatiate it, if you mess with the atomic number, Mm -hmm. you irradiate it, Mm -hmm. you make it deadly. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying about spirit rootedness. See, it's interesting for me, you know, when we start with the idea of science, and I remember one of the few books that I picked up to try to understand Native American life was it was a book called Native American Science. Mm-hmm. And within three or four pages, I thought, I don't understand this because this isn't science as I know. Um, and that so when you say in a scientific perspective, you know, it doesn't mean that I, I, I it's interesting. I now hear that much more as a Western scientific perspective. Because it seems like the, the, the way you're talking with the idea of the flow of energy and the sacredness of energy, the sanctity of energy, seems a very different perspective of connecting, I guess, what I would call science with religion. It seems like, am, am I right that you're talking a, a sort of more infused spirituality in everything? Yeah, I'm more in, infused spirituality in knowing spirit rootedness and how manipulation happens, how the the genetic uncoding, how they they manipulate a, a right of your genes, and they say, oh, so do you have this strand? If we take this gene out, we can put this gene in, and then they create a different form of life expression. Whereas in religion, if you understand it, you respect it, you um, work with whatever life form is there, and the prayers, the thoughts, the good energy transforms itself. You don't have to manipulate or make it conform to what we think we have that level of understanding for at this time. Because even in the Roman days, you know, they had life. They were like thought they were the ultimate. Mm-hmm. And even now where we stand in our scientific understanding, we think we're the ultimate right now. But, you know, going forth with what has come to a demise, what has come to a rebirth, you know that the other life levels are still evolving. I'm I'm so fascinated by this. I'm I'm so when you mention about prayer and thought, does prayer change does prayer change the self or does prayer change that which is outside the self? I think it changes both. I think it's a reciprocal nature that um in the Euro American context they don't understand what it means to have reciprocity. Mm. They think I have to give in order to receive. And I receive right. because I gave. Right. That's their interpretation of, of reciprocity. But for an indigenous way of knowing that is to say once it's done, it's done. Once you've given, you've already been blessed. And once the receiver receives it, they've been blessed. And there doesn't have to be that um, 
acknowledgement, really, because at another level, the spiritual level of that transference already happened. So it's a given. And so you're blessed knowing what you've done has expanded beyond your boundary of of influence. And so you then now understand you have many levels of multiple multiplicity of influences. And we're not always in control of all those levels. So so reciprocity for you personally is that once I give, I have become a giver, therefore I, I don't need to receive anything back. Is that? It happened already. You received and given it at another level of of that um, energy field. Go on. So, so this... It's this connectivity which is which is fascinating for me. So that so that when we pray, when we say something, how tell me more? How does that change things? We were just having that discussion um, earlier with some of our peers because we're saying um, we're trying to get Los Angeles National Laboratory to understand what it means to um, cleanse and safeguard our aquifer, our drinking water, and they say, oh yeah, we're doing this thing, and we're doing this thing, and um, this will make this possible, and we'll do that. So in their sense, they're doing something, but they're not adding prayer. They're not adding thought. And when you add prayer and thought, that energy is absorbed by rocks, absorbed because rocks have water in them as well. And, And so water is an entity and it's been proving, and science has taken it apart to understand it, but water has the ability to change itself because it has received that energy of that vibrational level. So prayer and thoughts are vibrational levels that are not seen, but they go out in waves, and so it makes movement of energy, breath of life possible. So breath of life is the energy that we intake as earthlings to start us on our on our life process, right? Right, right. That first breath. So that's what we're talking about. Could is it possible? I, I mean, I don't know the people who work at Los Alamos. Last, I, I know some of them, but what you're asking for is for is for a scientific institution to put. Away, some not put away the science, but to acknowledge that there's more than the Western scientific model. Yeah, is that possible? Yes, it is because they're humans, and they have a heart. They have a mind, heart, and spirit. And so, what ha- the culture of violence has groomed us to be is to be messengers of their violence, to be the ones that do the violence for them. So, what you're asking is, do these humans that are performing those acts that they know? It's actually contaminating the water. Do they know? And will they go beyond and add something of their soulfulness, of their heartfeltness into uh, diminishing or not doing the harm? And will they leave a job that pays them in order to have a life-affirming, life-skill work as opposed to just pays 10 times more than what I earn doing a certain life way? But so it's that thing of of the economic basis or mm. the cultural violence has those the triangle that they control power. So tell me, you mentioned the idea of a culture of violence. And I guess coming to this country, I've been made much more aware of it than I guess I, I wasn't so aware. 
when you know a white man living in England isn't so aware of a culture of violence unless it's kind of really confronts them in their face. Mm-hmm. You have a much more different understanding of a culture of violence than I do. What does that mean to you? It means that there's a, an entity or a or or um, I don't know if it's a, a collective. I would say a collective body of um, personhood who wants or needs to have power and control. And so they manipulate both ends of the spectrum, those that they groom to be the oppressors in their camp. And then they groom the oppressed so that they accept that oppression. And so both have, have guilt, anger, shame worked into a plan that probably is set in motion with a 100-year plan, 200-year plan, 300-year plan. It's not something that is, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to So it is something that is, is parasitical. It doesn't exist on its own because it needs that energy of to, for the ability to create movement. And we have the energy. Every the element of right. the earth has energy. So it's a very parasitical entity that would vanish if we don't give it our heart and our soul and our bodies and our our um, spiritual context of our goodness of our love. We've got to name love. This is it's, it's so extraordinary for me. We're going to take a break, and, and when we come back, I'd like to ask more about this culture of violence before moving on to purposefulness, which you mentioned earlier. So we're just going to take a, a brief pause. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Elder Kathy Sanchez from Tewa Women United, and we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Elder Kathy Sanchez from Tewa Women United, who I've been learning enormous amounts from. You were talking about this culture of violence and, and how if we didn't feed it, it would dissipate. But then I look at the world around us. The, you're describing it as parasitic. The world around us, which in its natural state is violent. You know, animals eating other animals, you know, just um, uh, entities absorbing other entities or wearing other entities down. Isn't that a natural state or, or am I reading this in a very cynical way? Well, I think if, if supposedly humans are, are one step up from the food chain, that there have, in our understanding as indigenous wisdom, is carried forth through um, generations after generations and through thousands and thousands and millions of years that we have had annihilations of Mother Earth. We've had like four levels of extinction already, Hmm. and it's recorded. It's in in the books and stuff. But we're now, according to how things are rapidly causing so much pain and suffering and death at a multiple level, and the tool we're using is that nuclear energy from within and so um, in if we don't change our ways then there is another annihilation that's going to come and that is the spiritualness of who we are in how do we as individuals think know we have the power of love we have the power to make the decisions if thousands of humans made that decision just to be in a loving, caring, nurturing way, you see amazing things happen because the energies of the trees and plants and water and rocks, don't, everything is going to respond. 
because you move that energy or the wave of change. So um, I, I'm asking to, to clarify. Are you saying that there are cycles of violence in some sense, but that we don't need to be creating another one? We who are part of nature, but slightly separate from nature, can help guide nature with love as opposed to with violence? I think so. And I think the origins of who we are means that we're grounded in that space and time of Mother Earth where we find ourselves to be. And because the culture of violence needs a parasitical um, entity to do its work, we've been derooted. So you have right. a lot of people on especially in the United States, that are still soul-searching, like you're saying, mm -hmm. trying to find their rootedness. And so now they've been giving the mechanical tour of well, ancestry.com type <laughs> things <laughs> happening, you know. <laughs> and then, oh, and I found my groundedness. But uh, as you remember, even in our lifetime, we've been told, you're coming to America because you're in the melting pot. Right. You forget who you are, everything. You uh, assimilate, you acculturate into what is here. And so people don't even know what the here is that evolved from that culture of violence to come to this part of Mother Earth. And, and then you're groomed into not knowing, being disinformed or misinformed with whatever the culture of violence that comes to power or is in power. Two, only two weeks ago, Father Richard Murphy was here and we were talking about an interfaith dialogue the difficulty of just acknowledging our similarities because of this melting pot idea. If, if everyone is the same, then what's our unique contribution? And it sounds to me similar that what you're saying is that actually celebrating the difference and separating ourselves from that culture of violence, which it's very easy to be brought into. Yeah, because when, we, when I've done a lot of journeys into other parts of the world, um, one of the statements that one of the... Um, elders in another South American country said to me was we thought we as being from a developed country were going to help an undeveloped country mm -hmm. and they said no we're praying for you because you mm -hmm. live in the belly of the beast you've been so cocooned comforted shaped mold and kept in fear kept in right. in all these things that a culture of violence needs in order to keep pe people from rising to be there for each other, or to help each other, to love each other, to support, and to really nurture and be grateful for for all that is right here within our presence. And the work that you do at Tewa Women United, I guess, is is connected to this culture of violence or helping people disconnect. Is is that correct? It's like um, if you look at our mission statement, it says to uncover mm. that which is already in us. So we're not training, we're not developing, we're just uncovering, unpolluting, trying to, right. trying to really have the people themselves know who they are and honor that. So there is a lot of multicultural um, families and there are a lot of young ones that are asking, you know, like, well, but I'm this and I'm that, I'm white, I'm, you know, et cetera. And so it's like, how do you really start to unlearn and relearn who you are you know you have to know how you connect with the body why is your earthen shell the way it is 
and why do we have a spirit? Why do we have an entity? And why do religions, when they first came, you know, had to label us mm. savages because they wanted more to join their sector or their group and not acknowledge the humanness that was already here or the value of the water relations, the land relations, the everything was already in a connected way and it had a ebb and flow that we needed to become into and be that we're already part of but not to destroy it so that we understand it not to you know dichotomize and cut it up and learn right. it in its end parts but not re, um, respect the wholeness with which it came from a couple of times you've mentioned our earthen shell suggesting a separate entity uh, body and spirit and i'm intrigued by that particularly because if that which is physically ourselves is part of nature and is energy in and of itself how do we split i'm trying to understand what that means body and soul or or or, or shell and spirit how are the two separate if if what we know you know physically in in know in front of us our bodies is still energy just in a different form yeah i think it's knowing that the flow of energy is in is around us in us through us with us and that there's different consciousness of acknowledging that because as science starts to know about our body i mean that's their new uh, what do you call it nanosciences, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. going right into it. How many um, organisms live on our skin? Right. How many live on our hair? How many live inside of us that is helping us to process our food? I mean, everything is alive with many different parts, but we honor and respect that which keeps, it, keeps us healthy and keeps right. us being able to be in that lively mode because now we're getting into how do you keep a culture of violence is about how do you keep people unhealthy? So right. they don't become activated. So they don't rise up. So they don't have a. So they don't really have the energy to take action if something is wrong. Or so it's that. Um, so our foods, GMO foods, mm -hmm. it's making our bodies very hard and rigid. So it's not fluid. And so that which doesn't feed our parts of our body is accumulating. So when that accumulation happens, we have to do cleansing. We have to do right. prayer. We have to do releasing. We have to do exercise. You know, we have to do other things or ways that are there, a common given thing that we have. But we've just been told, no, we're going to feed you. You know, you don't have to raise your own food. Farming, that's right. a low-level career. You know, get your degrees, and you can get more money, and you can buy whatever you want, you know. So it's that the... Even our dreaming was invaded so that our dream thoughts that would have connected us to multi-levels of existence is cap captured in that they cut that ability for us to pray. How many times are you so busy that you don't even get to say a prayer when you walk by a tree, mm -hmm. like thank the tree for the shade? Or, mm -hmm. or if you're in sorrow and pain, you put your back against a, the, the tree trunk and that takes that, neg that negative energy away from you. We forget our connectivity in that sense. So, yes, we have to find time to, to leave our bodies and have our spiritual energy of life, our breath, our life, 
leave and experience other things and we call it dream space or we call it meditative right. state but we come back and then we're informed and then we can plan and then do our actions needed so that's what i say it's in all life forms you mentioned earlier about purposefulness um, and um what what does that mean I, I guess let's use that to to start rounding off because being full of purpose in the culture of violence, I guess, the, the, the being full of purpose is being full of acquiring and full of um, hoarding and full of owning and possessing and dissecting. What does purposefulness mean to you? Okay, purposefulness for, for me means that we know through prayer and through, through dreaming what we envision for our beloved community. So a beloved community is already in existence how many generations, seven, ten generations away. So you take that point of perspective from that point and look this way. Mm -hmm. So you're creating and doing things with a purposefulness, knowing you want to see children laughing and playing with each other or being able to journey and being able to greet and be in another part of the world and respect their customs, their practices, their beliefs, and you don't have to... Um, acquire that or change them. So purposefulness means how do you make your life walk a dream that you know you're going to be leaving soon. You know, we all have an age span because mm -hmm. of our bodies and how they work. So in your purposefulness, in doing your work, are you leaving the earth pretty soon because your energy is diminishing mm -hmm. and then you're now going into another level of existence? And will that energy again come and re be recycled again? Or or will you be in thoughts? Do they remember you? And will they pray for you? Or will you be able to guide them? Because sometimes when you're in your deepest, darkest moment, you, you ask, creator, wherever you might be, help me. I need that guidance right now. Or grandma, you are there. Help me. Be by me. So that right. kind of purposefulness. So how are you having your purposeful life? Um, are you gonna? Are you gonna be glad they remembered you were hardcore and you're so mean and so angry that they don't even want to, you know, go that way or something? Or what they learned from me how not to be, you know? Right. So depending on how you want your life to be. So that's that's a sense of a long-term vision, but being included and I guess, and I'm trying still trying to understand the concepts of energy as you're describing them, but bringing your energy into future generations, is that is that the same thing or is it bringing your intention perhaps better? Probably you're, you're, when, you're, when you do things intentionally with a purposefulness, then the outcomes are quite different. Right. Because then you're, you don't have that uh, control. So you do what you gotta do and people will see, people will observe, people will probably not even acknowledge anything of who you are until oh yeah remember when that lady over there mm -hmm. you know i was giving thanks for for the water and gave water to mother earth before she drank some so you're remembering that connectivity this has been a most extraordinary half hour for me and i really want to thank you for coming in and and teaching me and hopefully others who are listening um about yourself and 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 hopefully this will be the start of a conversation. <laughs> well, thank you for having me and for indulging in a woman's old woman's perspective of what 
what has happened or what is happening or what the future might be. Well, I, 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 your perspective, old woman or not, is, is one that I've learned from. And so, so thank you. Mm, you're welcome. Um, so thank you to uh, our guest this evening, Elder Kathy Sanchez from Tewa Women United. Um, as I say, I do hope that you'll be able to return again and we can carry on our conversation. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching. <laughs>